Hello and welcome to another episode of Boundless Body Radio. I'm your host, Casey Ruff, and today we have another amazing guest to introduce to you now. Marty Kendall is an engineer who seeks to optimize nutrition using a data-driven approach. Marty's interest in nutrition began 18 years ago to help his wife Monica better control her type 1 diabetes. Since then, he has developed a systematic approach to nutrition, tailored for a wide range of goals, contexts, and preferences. Over the past five years, Marty has shared his research at OptimizingNutrition.com. He has developed Nutrient Optimizer and Data-Driven Fasting to guide thousands of people on their journey towards nutritional optimization. He is the author of Big Fat Keto Lies, which clarifies the most common misconceptions and mistakes with low-carb and ketogenic diets. He also wrote Data-Driven Fasting Manual to guide you to optimize your fasting routine to ensure you achieve your results. He is the host of Optimizing Nutrition Podcast, which is very well done and brings on some amazing guests. Marty Kendall, it is an absolute honor to welcome you to Boundless Body Radio. Thank you very much. Great to be here. It's so cool to have you. Um, I really love, I don't ask all of my listeners this question, um, but the ones that are like really active on their pages, I like to go onto their Facebook pages and groups and things like that to ask all the people um, if they have any questions for you. And so last night I decided to do that. And we got a list of questions from, um, you know, potential listeners, people that have been working with you in the group. And you are such a nice guy that as the questions were coming in, you were already answering them for them. (laughs) That's amazing. I've got an addiction, I think, and I'm trying to trying to <laughs> shed it. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, it's a good addiction to have just going out and like helping people just for the heck of it. We did have one question that was by far the best, which was when you have time to sleep, eat, or shower. <laughs> I thought that was fair. <laughs> <laughs> I think I mentioned uh, I've given up on shaving too regularly, but um, <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's fun life and I really enjoy it. I, I Spent a lot of time on Facebook over the years, just learning and being part of the online community and nutrition and learned a ton from people. And, and I really love that. And now I've been able to move on to masterclass and, and uh, data-driven fasting challenge where I actually get to help people in a structured context. And it's a whole lot of fun. And um, it's great to see the, the theory transitioning into practice so I, I really love doing that but i suppose i was mentioning before we started recording that just um as it gets bigger that like, social media is infinite and the ability of the human brain to keep up with it is limited and uh we're just not designed and, and capable of keeping up with constant bombardment of a million messages so yeah i have been quite intentional lately to try and use social media like a, a strategic precision strike to get in and get out and then get back to doing what I, I need to do and I want to do and developing all the other materials and trying to make it simpler and clearer and that's a lot of work. So um yeah, definitely trying to balance my life and try and that try and find that uh, optimum balance between work and family and and getting things done and participating in online social media because you know yeah it's got definitely got its downsides and detrimental effects um, that, that can blow your brain up basically and uh, create crazy people. So yeah, that, that, uh, and, and the ability to be efficient. I found when um, you're trying to respond to a whole lot of people all at once, or you're delving into controversy and that it, it, it just really degrades the quality of your thinking. So I've really tried to go, Hey, I'm going to close the loop on that 
um, get back to what I'm doing and just do one thing at a time and, and close the loop and not have a million things sitting in the back of my brain. And that really helps. I've really enjoyed that. And um, over the last few weeks, especially um, just being more productive, getting done what I want to do. Well, that's great. It's it's cool that you would choose to spend your limited time on social media by, again, helping people, helping people in your groups, and you give really great advice yeah. and re- really ah, kind thanks, words, man. and those are some of my favorite groups. I really like them. Um, Thank you. This was, this was a very, very, very challenging podcast to prepare for because of <laughs> the breadth of everything that you have covered, and we could jump down so many different rabbit holes and discuss your work um, in, in so many different ways, but b- before we kind of zero in on what we want to focus on today, let's hear your story. Story and and how you got you know into nutrition and and what got this journey started for you? Yeah, as you mentioned in the intro, my wife Monica has type one diabetes. She's had that since she was ten, and I suppose when we got married, she said, oh, "I think we're going to need to try to get this under control before we start having kids." So that was a fairly earnest pursuit to try and understand how to do that, and put a fair bit of time into dialing that in. Um, but then maybe. Seven years ago, um, yeah, I just sort of came across low carb and and then keto and low carb down under conferences and the whole Facebook online world of, of nutrition and just learned a hell of a lot from them and especially um, Dr. Bernstein who helps people with type 1 diabetes and, and their followers from type 1 grit learned a heck of a lot from them, them and that you know, keto gains community as well. Um, yeah, and just trying to delve through the the noise with the data to understand what actually works because there's a lot of beliefs, there's a lot of passion, there's a lot of noise online and a lot of conflicting beliefs, I suppose. So you've got the, the vegans on one end and that seems to be working to an extent and then the carnivores and keto people on the other extreme and it's like, okay, how do they, what are the common factors that actually move the needle that makes all these different approaches work? So, yeah, just delved into the data to try and understand that. I've had the luxury of having some fascinating data on macros and micros and understanding the relationship between what we eat and the components of what we eat and how that affects satiety and blood sugars. And then you can reverse engineer that to achieve the goals based on context. And um, then you can factor in preferences and allergies and all those sorts of other things to get a precision prescription for nutrition for the people that need it. God, I love engineers. (laughs) (laughs) Nerds. You guys are the best. It's so cool. (laughs) I I, I love when engineers come to the nutrition space because you guys are looking at all of this in a completely different way than any of the rest of us. And then you can, you know, it's like you said, you can take your content and, and bring it down to a level that you can explain it to somebody in a very brief conversation mm. so that they can understand it. It's so cool. Mm. Yeah, and making the simplicity out of all that is the challenge to go, okay, I've delved through all the data. How do I communicate it in, in the simplest way? And, you know, like the, the recipe books and NutriBoosters and photos and, you know, dialed it in for different goals is is like the, the next manifestation of that to try and show people exactly what that looks like. That's awesome. Well, I would like to jump into some of those common ground areas that you were discovering. Um, maybe we could start with the macronutrients. Um, can you explain kind of where we have gone wrong as a society as far as macronutrients have gone and 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 some of the things that we can be working on? Yeah, um, general as a society, I suppose you could uh, 
you know, people like to refer back to, to old paleo times, but really over the last 100 years, what we've eaten has changed, become more processed, but particularly over the last 50 years, um, you know, both carbs and fat in our diet has gone up since the agricultural revolution and we've optimised our diet for easy energy availability. So, you know, you dump in fertilisers into the soil from which come from methane, from fossil fuels. So everybody's trying to be envi environmentally friendly while mining methane to make fertilisers to um, make food grow faster. But that fast-grown food with all this artificial stimulation has very little nutrient quality. The protein goes down and then food manufacturers work out that we like to eat food that tastes good and gives us a quick energy hit and a dopamine hit from fat and carbs at the same time. So it's really that fat and carb combination um, that drives us off the cliff of the double dopamine spike from carbs and fat at the same time. And, um, yeah, so vegetable oils have sort of driven up over the last 100 years and then carbs have sort of risen over the last 50 years from a, from a fairly low level, actually. So, yeah, over the last 100 years, fat has just increased in our diet by about 600 calories per day as since we um, learned how to make oil from cotton seeds and uh, soybean and the like. So um, that combination of the two together just creates this hyper-palatable autumnal sort of uh, food environment that makes our bodies think it's autumn and we need to prepare for winter so we can have this hyperphagic binge response when these foods are available. So, um, yeah, that's where we are and that, that drives everything else. We just eat too much. Interesting. Okay, so the argument would be really the only time in our lives that we would consistently find carbs and fat together would be in breast milk, and that would kind of promote mm. the – growth of the baby would would be kind of the idea there um yeah and, and potentially in autumn where these foods come together and you know in in a cyclical uh some autumn sort of environment you get carbs in in summer and then fat in winter fat and protein in winter but you don't in nature get the two combined at the same time but we've created this artificial food environment that we can now combine with modern agricultural practices the two together in everything you see in packaged foods with barcodes in the central aisles of the, the supermarket mm, okay so perfect point so you're in brisbane you're about to head into spring we are yeah. up in salt lake city in utah and we're just about to head into fall and um one of my clients has a peach tree in his backyard and it's <sighs> it's blooming right now or not blooming but it's you know it's giving fruit and i went back there and man, these peaches are like, they just detonate in your face. They're so juicy and delicious and so good. And in two weeks, they're all going to be gone. They're all going to be gone. There's not going to be any more peaches growing. And I notice like, like when I'm eating these, it's hard for me to stop, but I also kind of, you know, get a stomach ache or I feel like 30 minutes later, like my energy's crashing a little bit. Um, but I, they're so good. And what an amazing system that we have that we can gorge on these foods yeah. when they taste good and when they're in season, because there's going to be a time when they're not going to be there. Yeah. And the fructose in the fruit is definitely um, a, a rocket fuel for your metabolism and your body loves it and it helps you know, fructose turns uh, you know, into fat as well as, you know, you're, you're, glucose and fructose together and the fructose turns to fat. So it's sort of like a carb fat combination, incredibly 
but most people aren't getting fat on eating apples really but what we've done is taken a high fructose corn syrup combined it with sugar and refined flour or whatever at the same time in products and that's just you know what we're eating all the time so it's not just fruit but it's you know fruit fructose combined with um, sugar and flour all at the same time with very little protein mm. Interesting. So, okay. So we've talked about fat. We've talked about carbohydrates, the other macronutrient you just mentioned protein. One of the things mm. I would do when I'm sitting down, you know, for a nutrition consultation is, is I'll ask the person, uh, you know, across the desk, like, what do, you, what do you think protein is for? And they'll say, oh, it's for energy. Everybody knows mm -hmm. that. And it's like, eh, not quite. Can you explain what we use energy, what we use uh, protein for? Yeah, protein, you can convert it to energy. You can convert it to ATP, but it's really, really hard work for your body to do. So protein is really a structural component of your body that builds your, your muscles and your bones and your neurotransmitters. And there's so many functions that the protein that you eat does in your body. And most of us really aren't eating enough um, to be eating excess protein to the point that it can be converted to, to glucose through gluconeogenesis and then ATP for use in your muscle cells. So um, excess protein isn't really a thing. In fact, if you look at um, protein leverage, I chatted to um, professors Rabenheimer and Simpson a couple of weeks ago. They're really amazing, smart guys, but they noticed that in nature, every every creature, even slime mold, um, eats seeks out enough protein to get what they need, and then and then stop. But if they've only got the combination of of fat or carbs, or worse, fat and carbs together, they have to eat. A lot of energy to get the protein they need so that's really what's happening in in nature in in our modern hyper palatable food environment that we're just seeking out a whole lot of uh we're seeking out protein but because the food we've got available is so low in protein we just keep eating and overeat to get the protein we need largely but at the same time i think it's not just protein it's you know they talk about the the protein leverage hypothesis, but I think there's really a, a nutrient leverage hypothesis that once you get enough protein, you then need to seek out minerals and then you need to seek out vitamins and really everybody has a unique prescription for their current diet that will fill in those gaps that will satisfy them with less calories. Gotcha. So, okay. So we're not eating enough protein, which means we, we will overconsume on energy being the combination mm. of fat and combat, uh, fat and carbohydrates, which means we're always yep. taking on more and more energy, getting bigger and yep. bigger and bigger, gaining more fat. Yep. Got it. Yeah. It's so interesting when I would do a metabolic test on somebody and show them like where their heart rate zones, you know, were based on what fuel they were burning during exercise, there would mm. be a graph and it would show the person like how many calories of carbohydrates they store in the body. And that was fixed. Mm. And and, and low, normally about 2000 for most males. And mm. underneath it, it would calculate based on their weight and their body fat percentage, how many calories of fat they had stored on their body <laughs> and hundreds of, it could be hundreds of thousands of calories of fat energy. Yeah, and these people yeah, would totally. look down and be like, what, what is all of this good for? And I'm like, it's energy. You're saving up all this energy so it can be used later on. Yep. But winter never comes. Winter never comes. Yep. That's right. Um, which my, my wife would love if winter never came around here, but, uh, <laughs> nutritionally would be a different story. Um, okay. So let's talk about the nutrients then. It, you just mentioned that how, what nutrients do we tend to get most deficient in? 
Um, it varies depending on the diet that like vegans will be deficient in omega-3 and, and B12 and then carnivores at the other end of the spectrum might be missing in some, you know, um, minerals potentially that are easy to find in the non-starchy green veggies. And it just varies across the spectrum. Um, and I'm looking at um, uh, developing diets for Indian vegetarians who who don't eat um, eggs even, and that can get quite challenging just to get the protein. So most people in the Western society can get enough protein um, to meet their minimal requirements, but then it's the it's the vitamins and minerals that then play a part to to, to fill in the gaps to solve the getting enough en- uh, nutrients without too much energy equation. So it, it varies depending on the individual and the individual diet. And, um, you know, generally if you're somewhere between the extreme of carnivore and, and plant-based vegan, you can get a, a reasonable nutrient density, but then it, uh, but it's a lot easier to dial it in further if you've got an omnivorous diet. But um, what pursuing nutrient density does, it just eliminates all the refined crap of, uh, you know, vegetable oils, um, refined sugar, refined uh, flours that are dominating more and more our food environment. Mm. So you kind of told us what it is, but let's let's uh, be really clear. Like, what is nutrient density? Oh, so yeah, sorry, it's just um, the amount of nutrients that you need per calorie of food per energy unit of food. So it's about getting enough of all the nutrients you need, not just one, not just protein, not just vitamin B1, but it's all the 34 nutrients, essential nutrients without excess energy, so nutrients per calorie. And we've, um, you may have heard of the the recommended daily intake of nutrients, which is really the minimum to prevent diseases of deficiency. We've identified based on our satiety analysis of people doing the, the, um, the masterclass with Nutrient Optimizer, the amount of nutrients per 2,000 calories that you need to get to maximize satiety that it's actually achievable with real food. So it's sort of set a limit on an upper limit um, that once you get to that point for that nutrient, there's no point in pursuing more. And then you then can go in, in search of other nutrients that you're still not getting enough of. So it's sort of, okay, I've, I've ticked that one, I've ticked that one. What do I need to do next? Or, or just focusing on the, the handful of nutrients that are lacking the most is sort of the, the way it works. Gotcha. Okay, perfect. So what are some of the foods that would end up being at the top of the charts for nutrient density? Uh, yeah, again, again, it depends, um, you know, whether that be asparagus or, or spinach for, for some people or, you know, caviar or, or sardines or, or organ meats, liver, etc. It, it, it varies. And, you know, I did a little experiment the other day to say, okay, if I started with, uh, you know, spinach and then you add liver and then you add caviar and then you add salmon and you know you're then chasing the next food that fills in those nutrient gaps that the current combination of what you've designed for the day leaves out so it's a fun little game and um i just love seeing people use it quantitatively to solve the puzzle of nutrition in their own diet so it it depends on your context but there's you know generally we're, we're eating a fairly nutrient poor diet because our whole food system is dominated by vegetable oils, flowers, and sugars. Yeah. 
Wow. I want to tie this back into your personal story. When did these ideas start to kind of crystallize in your mind? You're thinking about nutrient density. You're, you're wanting to kind of develop a system um, to help people understand this better. How did you come up with the systems that you did? How did that yeah. start to kind of form in your head? Yeah, I initially came across um, Jason Fung and delved into all his videos and he started talking about the uh, the insulin index. So I, I dug up that data from the University of Sydney experiment 20 years ago that Kellogg's actually funded. But um, I, basically the, the way to minimise the short-term insulin response to food is to minimise non-fibre carbs and protein at the same time because protein does require some insulin to metabolise and, and, you know, when my wife needs to dose protein, uh, dose insulin for protein. But what you end up at that point is a, is a very, very high-fat, you know, butter-lard diet to, to maintain uh, stable blood sugars and uh, minimise protein. So at that point you go, well, that's not, that doesn't actually contain a lot of nutrients. And at the time, I um, don't know if you remember, Matt Lalonde was doing some fantastic work looking at nutrient density yeah. and Joel, Joel Furman from, you know, Vegan Camp had done some work before looking at the Andy Index and both of them had sort of holes and, and as a complete system were, were, were lacking. Um, Furman just basically looked at uh, the nutrients that supported a, a vegan diet and uh, ended up, funnily enough, with lots of plants and and Lalonde sort of, um, it's really, it is actually fairly easy to get enough protein so that you've got to set a limit on the 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 positive benefit you get from each nutrient. So once you get enough protein, you stop counting that and then start chasing the other nutrients that are sort of developed a system that gave weighting for nutrients only when you still needed more of those nutrients. If you're getting plenty of protein, if you're getting plenty of vitamin K or whatever, you shouldn't get increased points for even more of that. So sort of developed a system that that only counted nutrients that you were still lacking basically. So, um, and played with a spreadsheet until I made that work. And uh, yeah, so you can then rank foods that provide enough of all the nutrients, but not in excess of any of the nutrients at the same time. And then combine that with the food insulin index and then satiety, which is really protein leverage um, to have three components of the system that enables you to tailor it for different goals and different needs. It's so amazing. It's so incredible what you created. It it really <laughs> it really does such an amazing job hitting all those main points and getting people to think um, a little bit differently about food. It it certainly shifted mm. for me, you know, going through and kind of playing with it and seeing like, oh, I'm okay in these levels, but I should eat more of these foods to get these nutrients. It's a great idea. Mm. 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 It's a completely agnostic nutrition. It's beautiful. Like we we worship, you know deities of the sun and moon that we believe that you know made made the rain fall and the sunshine and all these sorts of things but now we sort of give this uh you know worship and, and belief to diets not deities but diets and we ascribe magical powers to diets that have a name but you know your body doesn't understand that it just understands getting the nutrients it needs your 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 lizard brain your amygdala understands the nutrients it needs to survive and it will pursue those nutrients 
just about at all costs. Your conscious brain tries to go, no, I need to stop eating. But if you're not giving it the nutrients it needs, it'll just keep on eating and eating regardless of how much conscious willpower you try to exert. Gotcha. Well, you you just invoked the gods that I worship way too much, which are the gods of keto and carnivores. So sorry for whatever. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Divine, sorry divine wrath. <laughs> Did I just back over the miss my truck? No, that's great. No, I I get way oh. too myopic about stuff, and I I think I can just like <laughs> float around and tell people like, oh, just eat carnivore, just do keto, and you're going to be fine. And it, that's not true. I the nutrient optimizer is such a great tool to be able to see you know visually what's going on. It's it's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Gamifies nutrition and turns it into a fun game that happens to have health benefit trade-offs. Yeah, absolutely. We have to talk about NutriBoosters. This is amazing yeah. to me. Um, can we go into what that is, how you came up with that idea and what they are? Yeah. So we started out with like 500,000 AI scrapes, recipes, and sort of narrowed it down and then started plugging those into Chronometer and probably plugged about 3,000 recipes into Chronometer, which um, was like my fitness pal for people who haven't used it, but it tracks the micronutrients as well as the macronutrients and energy. And then I put that all into a spreadsheet to try and rank recipes for different goals, particularly nutrient density, but then... For, for like fat loss or high protein to energy or, or diabetes or therapeutic keto or meat-based or vegan or plant-based or, or vegetarian. So each of those different dietary approaches have different requirements and, you know, you can't just say, you know, pea sells everything or keto sells everything because they're really two absolute extremes. For some people who need... Um, epileptic seizure control they need a high fat keto diet but for people who want to lose weight they need you know more nutrients more protein with less energy so it's sort of threw those all into a spreadsheet and then over the last two and a half years I've been working with Saskia Lesser in New Zealand who's just got a passion for you know making amazing meals for her lunch every day and photographing them. And we've written them up and just making them more and more presentable and palatable and easier to access. So um, I used the, the analogy the other day that, you know, imagine you, your body is like a, a bunch of buckets or, or, you know, you've got this carbon fat bucket that is is really big and you need to fill those. You need to get enough energy in your diet from carbs and fats and you might need more carbs if you're more active and maybe less carbs and fat if you're uh, needing to, to lose weight and draw down on the glucose in your blood and the, the fat on your body. But um, then you need enough protein. But once you've filled the protein bucket, um, you don't really need any more. Then you need to chase the, the, the minerals and vitamins and the, they're all individual little containers that you need to fill and if you don't fill each of those your body's sort of continuing to cry out for more food and all you think is you know i've got this donut i'll eat the donut but that doesn't contain those nutrients so your body's still not satisfied but if you can precisely fill those you know five little containers the you know three vitamins and two minerals you're still getting the least of um you can then satisfy your need with with less energy so the nutrient nutri boosters are like think of a, a precision water watering can where you've realigned all the buckets on the table and said okay i need to fill these five and i've got this recipe that's going to treat 
those five primarily. And, you know, so we've systematized it to the point you can say, okay, what are you currently eating and which recipe precisely, which food or which recipes will address that need at that point in time and, and rank them for that actual nutrient requirement. So, um, yeah, we've devised 29 different recipe books from the 460 Nutribooster recipes that uh, we've refined and got to the point that are really amazing and presentable. And, uh, yeah, it's really cool. Hoping to make it more accessible to people rather than just saying, yeah, nutrient density. It's like this, this is what it actually looks like and this is what 100 of those recipes that suit that goal actually look like and just play with them, find ones you like and then use the ones that are most suited towards your requirement to meet that goal. Wow. I was going to ask you about the photography. Those meals <laughs> instantly make me drool. Holy smokes. They look so good. The food yeah. looks good, but they're, they're you're right. The presentation is is gorgeous. It's incredible. Yeah. Saskia's incredible. I'm so lucky to have uh, – she was in one of our challenges, and it's like, wow, you make amazing food. And uh, we got chatting and said if you ever want to work together, and she happened to have been in – you know book creation and photography and she was a, a catwalk model as a teenager and so she had her own journey of you know okay I've, I've hit 30 I'm a mom and I need to dial in my diet to um continue to to look and feel good uh yeah so she's just amazing and a real pleasure to work with and we're just for the last two and a half years we've been backwards and forwards pretty much constantly continuing to develop these recipes and meal plans and and recipe books to, to just put it on the shelf and say, this is what it looks like. If you just eat from these recipes, it'll solve your requirement, whether that be managing your blood sugars or higher satiety or nutrient density or whatever. Yeah, that's amazing. I'm so glad you guys decided to do um, actual recipes. I We used to give out like food lists to people, you know, like mm. here's here's 20 different proteins you can go purchase. Here's 30 different vegetables you can go purchase. And like, yeah, that gives you an idea of what food is kind of. But mm. like people will go out and just buy a bunch of stuff and then it's like Thursday, Friday. What do I do with it? Yeah, exactly. I've got a big bag of kale and I don't know what the hell to do with it and it's going bad and so I have to throw it out and start all over again on Sunday. It's it's so yeah. much more practical when you're giving people recipes. Yeah. Yeah, we started with food lists and prioritized food lists and then went, okay, we need to actually turn this, this into recipes and then recipe books and then now we're playing with meal plans to say hey if you eat this for a week this is this is the nutrients you'll get you'll blitz all of your minimum recommended daily intake and then approach the optimal nutrient intake if you just ate this for a week wow um I, okay, so you you look at some of these recipes and you think like, wow, I got to be a wizard in the in the in the kitchen. And and honestly, like kitchen skills are are one of the biggest limiting factors when we're trying to make better recommendations for people. Like, if you don't know how to chop an onion or use a cast iron pan, like you're gonna have a tough time. Um, yeah. And and one of the things I really appreciated about these recipes is I don't need to be the pampered chef to be able to pull them off. Yeah. Yeah. We wanted to make them really simple and minimal number of ingredients. You don't have to, you know, maybe sometimes you want to have a dinner party and impress your guests on how amazing your food prep skills are. But if you just want a lunch or a, or a breakfast or, or a dinner that's going to save you rating the, you know, going to 7 Eleven or getting Uber Eats for a pizza or whatever, 
you just want something quick, easy, and healthy. And that's sort of what the NutriBoosters are designed to do is just precisely hit your nutrient requirements on something you can eat every day with minimal preparation and looks and tastes amazing because real food that actually contains nutrients tastes incredible, especially if it's grown in a healthy ecosystem that, that regenerates the environment. Yeah, I totally, totally agree. You can just, that the food just jumps out of the recipes and you can just taste how flavorful they are. What would be, <laughs> for, for the person that isn't as handy in the kitchen, what to you would be like the minimal amount of equipment or the minimal amount of skills that somebody would have to be able to eat um, most of these recipes? Yeah, a fry pan and a knife is, is most of it. And like my wife, it looks after me really well and creates just a salad packs five salads for the week and I take some canned fish and that's my lunch most days or we throw a bit of kangaroo patties in the air fryer and when I get hungry I hoover down that and yeah so it simple as is ideal if you can most people don't have a whole lot of time to spend every day cooking and that's why people don't cook um so if you make it simple it's um, a whole lot easier to implement I love that. I was definitely going to ask you about kangaroo. I think I've heard you say in the past um, that kangaroo is an invasive species down there. Uh, it, it's it's a natural. Um, obviously, it's on the Australian emblem, but um, because of all the agriculture, um, it's it's become a pest just because they're feeding off the grains so much. So often they're they're culled because they become in plague proportions. So then that that meat has then shipped off to um, pet food and some people buy it in the supermarket and it's actually very, very, very nutritious because it's basically a game meat and wild and they're uh, out there hopping around eating what they usually eat rather than in feedlots getting pumped with hormones and fed grains that, again, are grown from agriculture. Wow, interesting. Um, What does it taste like? Yeah, I've grown to like it. Um, it, It's just a a gamey meat and incredibly lean. It's like 80% protein, so it's it's hard to go wrong. And I tend to lead my day with, um, you know, some fish or kangaroo or something like that, and that sort of smashes the appetite and then backfill later in the day with um, maybe some energy if I'm still hungry. Nice. That, that sounds great, actually. Um, so with the NutriBoosters, there are, like you said, so many different categories that you could fall into. What would distinguish, you know, one way of eating for somebody versus another? Yeah, it depends on the goals. Like we've got, I love Ted to death, and he talks about the protein leverage hypothesis and protein to energy. And we've got up the extreme, we've got a high PE book that's 66% protein, but that's great if you want to lose weight really quickly over a short period of time. But uh, if you've ever done a protein spring modified fast, that's hard to do for a very long time. You get hungry and your body says, oh, I can't make energy from all this protein you're giving me. Give me fat and carbs. So to make it sustainable, you need to walk back down from that extreme or even better say, what am I eating now? And let's just dial it up a little bit in terms of, of protein. So, yeah, there's sort of everything on the spectrum from um, therapeutic keto, um, which is 80% fat to high protein to energy. And, you know, for somebody who's just looking to manage their blood sugars and stabilise their blood sugars to start with, um, we've got a, a low-carbon blood sugar book that will help them 
main, uh, achieve healthy, stable blood sugars. And then if they're looking for fat loss from there, dial up the protein, dial back the fat, and then lose body fat, which helps with insulin sensitivity. And yeah, so, and then you've got the meat base for people who don't like the seafood. And then, uh, you know, we said plant-based people want, need nutrients too. So we'll show a plant-based diet in the best possible terms. And it's nothing like uh, quote-unquote plant-based that tends to be promoted, which is just anything that's not meat, which is basically refined oils and uh, and carbs and sugar, which is <laughs> diabolically bad, unfortunately. So, yeah, plant-based triggers me a lot too. Yeah, wow. It was cool to see the graphs that you sent me also visually. Yeah. Um, you know, you had one, one thing you were measuring on the X – um, access one on the Y and then all of the different types of diets that you could choose and were yeah. plotted somewhere along those two things. And so if I'm a bodybuilder, I can look at how much fat do I need in my diet versus how much, mm. you know, vegetables do I need or plant material? And I can, I mm. can find myself on that graph and go, Oh, okay. It's easy for me to see that I need X amount of this and Y amount of this. And I can go out and do that. How did you come up with that? That's amazing. Yeah, we just took the the 29 books and looked at the macros of each of those and looked at where they fit on protein versus uh, nutrient density or, or even better um, nutrient den density versus energy. So if you look at everything in terms of, you know, your diet needs to be, find, you need to find the right balance between nutrients and energy. Your body needs nutrients, including protein and enough energy. But if you've got plenty of energy stored on your body, you need to dial back the energy and, you know, get enough nutrients. But if you're, a marathoner or doing Ironman triathlons, then that high protein to energy diet book is going to kill you and you, you'll bonk, you know, 100 meters down the road. Um, so, yeah, you need to find that balance. And that's something that is, is sadly missing in nutrition discussions. It's either plant based or carnivore or high fat or, or low fat. And everybody has to gravitate to that camp, but it's like, okay, who are you? Do you want to lose weight? Are you really active? How are your blood sugars? You can use those parameters to find the diet that's actually going to be most helpful for you rather than joining a camp and a belief and a religion that all these people that worship this particular way of eating and you're one of us if you eat like us. And, you know, it's like, but it's not working for me. It's like, okay, you have to actually consider the context and your goals. Sure. And those goals are always changing. I mean, you may have a goal, you know, this year that you have a chronic disease and you want to be really strict about it, but next mm. year your goals might be totally different. Yeah, so yeah. you're right. It's like, why would you plant your flag in one camp if, if you're not going to stay there the whole time, or at least be willing to be wrong about stuff and say like, okay, this is what I was doing before. And now my goals have changed and this is what I'm doing now. Yeah. And, you, and, and as you progress, you should be changing and say, you uh, start with, you know, you got morbid obesity and diabetes. You want to stabilize your blood sugars. And then once the blood sugars stabilize, okay, I've done that. Um, I need to dial back the fat. And then, hey, I've, I've reached my goal weight. So I want to, you know, build muscle. So you, you want to shift a bit more energy to be a bodybuilder. And then, hey, I want to do Ironman triathlons because it just got so much energy. And then you need more energy in your diet. So it's just the whole spectrum of different strokes for different folks. And um, yeah. 
So cool. Needed oh. to be needed to be done. Yeah, it's well, and it is very well done. So, what is the... Some, somebody had to do it? <laughs> I'm glad it was you. <laughs> I'm glad it was an engineer. <laughs> um, so, it, what would what is the process like? If somebody wants to access this, they want to go through. They want to find out where where they are and and access the the correct you know meal plans and recipes for them. Yep. What does that process look like? Uh, yeah, we've got a post on which. NutriBooster recipe is right for you um, or which NutriBooster book is right for you. Um, and it's got, hey, am I, is my waist to height ratio greater than I want it to be? So it really is your belly big is the first thing. Um, if so, you want to lose some weight. If, are your blood sugars elevated? You, you want to dial back the carbs. And um, we're basically a little flow chart table that puts you into each box for for different goals and tells you which book you need. But if you want to dial in your micronutrients, we've got a, a seven-day food tracking challenge where you can track in chronometer and it feeds it into Nutrient Optimizer and it'll tell you which foods and meals are best for you. And then we've got a masterclass, which we're doing at the moment, which guides people through dialing in macros and micros over six weeks. It's a bit of a trial by fire of, of dive in the deep end but then at the end people are competing for the the highest nutrient scores so it, it's fun to see nutrition become a competitive sport i just heard you interview a couple who went through the process together and, and you're right you could tell even between the two of them they were um you know a little bit competitive and it seemed really engaging and it was it was interesting to hear like <laughs> the wife jumped on first and the husband was like oh great we've got a new diet what are we going to do and then he jumps on and then they're competing with each other tell us a little bit about them yeah we've got, got a few couples but um i think there were the, there were the couple from new south wales on the farm Oh yeah. Anyway, we've got, got a few, but um, yeah. The, and there was another couple that I interviewed. Um, the, the Buckleys and Kelly had a lot of issues, and then um, I think it was her. I think it was Kelly. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. She, 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 she was extremely lovely, and um, she was very motivated after seeing her dad pass away of diabetes, and finally felt she'd found the solution. And um, yeah, the husband's going, yeah, another diet, and and he tagged along and did data-driven fasting, and and ate a little food that she made from the challenge and he lost a ton of weight as well. So it's just really nice to see people give their body what it needs and get the outcomes they want. It's like, it, yeah, I'm, I'm, I suppose after seeing my wife struggle in the wilderness of nutrition for, for so many years and, and the impact on her health that it's like there needs to be a better way to help my wife when she was diagnosed with diabetes um, find a, a more precise solution that actually helps and uh, doesn't suck life and you know when she was diagnosed she was told she'd probably not live past 40 with type 1 diabetes but you know she's thriving at 45 now and um, got a lot of life left in her and it's it's really really nice so um yeah it had to be done that's amazing. What a cool gift that you get to, you know, enjoy now that you have worked so hard yeah. on all this. Now you get to help others yeah. along and see their progress. And it's just ripples, yeah. man. It's, it's, you know, <laughs> it, it starts with the couple and then it bleeds out to maybe their friends or some of their family or their kids. And it's, it's, yeah. it's an amazing yeah. thing to put out into the world. Um, I'm curious to learn a little bit about your Facebook groups as well. You have a few different ones that you are very active on. Yeah, yeah, I've I've learned the value of scheduling things. I sort of dream up stuff and then 
post it out. But yeah, I love to jump in there and, and participate and be a part of it. Um, we've got a, a Nutribooster recipes group, which is sort of where we showcase what optimal nutrition looks like. So we share daily recipes from the Nutriboosters and then everybody else shares all their amazing creations to showcase what uh, good nutrition looks like. So we're trying to start a, a nutritional optimization movement and that's sort of the core there that you know people can start. Um, I've got an Optimizing Nutrition Facebook group that's been going for about six years or so and um, it's got about 10,000 people and that tends to be more, you know, bring out your your research and you know, do battle over the details of research and I've learned a hell of a lot there. That's really fascinating. And then we've got a data-driven fasting group which um, sort of guides people through the process of getting the hang of data-driven fasting and then we've got a data-driven fasting challenge and a nutritional optimization masterclass that we run out of the Facebook groups, which is really a great way of just, you know, helping people along the journey through the process rather than just trying to do it alone. Yeah. Wow. That's great. So we do have a few that you haven't got to yet. Some of the questions on the page. Um, so uh, we'll save you a little bit of time. You don't need to go back on there and answer them because we'll ask you now. Um, is it difficult? <laughs> is it difficult to get kiddos to eat in this way? I think I think a lot of people think that like you know if I start eating healthy, this is going to suck because I've got to make my meals. Then yeah. maybe for my significant other who may or may not be doing this, and then I've got to make separate meals for my kids. So is that difficult to do? Yeah. Um. No, not, oh, my wife's an amazing cook and she loves doing that and uh, looking after the family. So I can't really say it's easy because she does a lot of work to make that happen. But um, the, the kids know the value of eating well and um, they, they both actually did the masterclass and went through it and, and the son's become a bit of a bodybuilding nerd at 16 and wants to look ripped and jacked and, and lift really heavy. And in lockdown a year ago, he found the, the home gym and, we all said you can't be Chris Hemsworth in, in two months and two months later it's like okay maybe maybe you can really massively transform your body <laughs> if you've got the testosterone of a 16 year old wow <laughs> um so he, he's very you know counts often counts his macros and is very protein focused and he's always trying to shove some egg white omelette or Greg Duchet um creation that he found online in my mouth that he's just made so he's really he's a really creative chef makes a hell of a mess in the kitchen but he's a really <laughs> creative chef and and the daughter um uh, probably found that that tracking is not a great idea but she got the hang of understanding good nutrition and um she's known at school for eating spinach in the lunches that she prepares every morning so yeah that there's some uh processed food occasionally that that enters the house or they'll have outside but they they know the value to how they look and how they feel and how they think more importantly to um based on what they eat so they try to prioritize good food and yeah just having plenty of good food in the house that that aligns with their goals is um is important so the son probably does a lot of you know rice and some bread occasionally not that i i think much of bread but um he'll he'll eat some of that just to feel the amazing amount of activity he's doing and um yeah but uh we all eat slightly differently but we all survive in the same house pretty well mm, that's great yeah i mean i was stunned when lockdown happened um the, when people went into their basements and dusted off old you know thigh masters and health writers and whatever they had hanging out and you can get amazing results with very few things i mean some, yeah. of our, some of our software that we have, we can create whole body workouts for people if they just have 
water bottles. Like that, there is wow. a way. I know. It's so cool. You can be creative wow. even if you don't have access to a full gym. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, somebody did have a question also. What is a typical day of eating like for you personally? Yeah. Um, I try to lead with protein when I feel hungry. I'll, um, you know, the kangaroo, I'll have the salad um, and canned fish. Um, eat, a, a, eat a good chunk of that when I'm hungry at work and then I'll come home. There's a money or will have cooked a family meal that we generally have together in some format. And then if I'm still hungry later on, drop back in some energy depending on my goals at the time. And, you know, sometimes you try to lose weight and get lean, but sometimes you're working out a lot or, you know, sleep deprived or trying to think or, you know, you can't, it's hard to cut calories too much at those points. So you just accept that sometimes you sometimes you're going to be gaining because uh, you, you you're smashing in the gym and uh, sometimes you can have the luxury of being able to dial in your nutrition your calories even more to, to lose weight so yeah it's sort of always a balance and optimal in real life it's you're just moving towards optimal and conscious of your current situation and, and goals so yeah it, I don't always eat um optimally because optimal is just a, a, a place that you move towards depending on your current goals so yeah i don't don't enjoy a lot of junk at the same time though yeah yeah i love thinking about it that way it's a it's a progression it's something you're going to get mm. a little bit better at every single day and again your needs are going to change mm. over time um one yeah, and people people who do the challenge and get 100 percent on the on the leaderboard in the nutrient optimizer they they don't tend to stay there, but they don't need to stay there because, you know, if you're eating super nutrient-dense food all the time, you just can't get enough energy because it's so satiating, um, which is how it's designed to be. So, But for sustainability, once you go, reach goal, you just sort of need to dial it back to bring back the energy that you need, but you can't unsee that process once you've dialed in your nutrition quantitatively. You can't forget what you learned through that process and it sort of sticks with you for the long term. Yeah, totally, totally agree. One question that I have for you is what are you doing for movement and exercise these days? Uh, yeah, um, unfortunately not walking as much as I used to, but um, I've got a home gym and I'm doing a uh, five, three, one type of protocol where I vary the, um, the weight from doing 15 sets down to the, the, the five, three, one sort of moving through different volume ranges of, four big lifts of deadlift squat bench and overhead press and um i've got to the a sort of weight that completely demolishes my body so the amount of time that takes to do isn't much that's great that sounds super efficient and very similar to what i do most days that's awesome <laughs> <laughs> yeah like you said it doesn't have to be complex it doesn't have to be that time consuming and yeah once you get the weights up there it uh yeah you, your body needs to recover and i'm learning that now at 45 and um unfortunately i want to smash it in the gym like the sun and i see him spending three hours in there but i get you know half an hour of heavy weights I'm, I'm pretty much done and need to recover that's great no that's awesome i think it's almost like the, the more dialed in you are your activities get to be almost like borderline boring i guess like it, it's you know you're doing yeah. the same lifts every time but rather than you know trying to add jumps and twists and all these crazy moves to it you're just <laughs> working on form on these simple moves every single time get in do them well be mindful pay attention get out and go enjoy yeah. your life yeah. i think that's an amazing exactly 
It just has to has to become efficient. And I'm all for progressive overload and you, you just keep on going and grinding and trying to get a little bit heavier each each round and um yeah, it gets to a point where it asymptotes and gets to a ceiling and you just keep on grinding. And I I've got kettlebells as, as well that I I love. Um so when I'm not feeling like lifting heavy, I'll I'll do some cardio type with the kettlebells and that's a whole lot of fun as well. I love kettlebells. What's your favorite exercise? Um, I, I did a, a long cycle competition just for fun a while ago. That that's pretty brutal with the double kettlebells. Um, yeah, so that that's hard work, very metabolically taxing. Oh, and sometimes that. I'll um, I'll put the heart rate on heart rate monitor on and sort of try to get it up to a peak of one sixty and let it drop back to one ten and then go again. So that sort of oscillating hit type thing, which again just gets it over with really quickly. And if you do that regularly, uh, it's hard to go wrong. Yeah, that's great. That's a great way to do some interval training. Did when, do mm. you use do you use that heart rate monitor anytime you do any type of like cardio or walking? I have sometimes. Like I'd understand with the um, uh, math training, I'd, I'd really appreciate what they do there. But I haven't done a lot myself. I used to do that a little bit on the bike and try to keep under the the math limit. Um, but yeah, not something I, I, I've just fallen in love with the, the home gym and the weightlifting lately. Yeah, that's great. Um, we were fortunate enough to host him on our show, uh, Phil Maffetone. Man, yeah, what, what an awesome. amazing, what an amazing dude that guy is. Yeah, so cool. What is something you yes, are working on for the for the future? Oh, yeah, so many things. Um, I'm just trying not to let my brain brain explode, and um, I'm working on trying not to work as much uh, in the day job so I can have more time to do everything. But um, yeah, just structuring all the things I've got. Like, I made a, a hit list of. 400 different little things that I that I want to keep working on and keep building this to make it simpler and more precise and um, continuing to build nutrient optimizer and data-driven fasting and, and updating the, the books. And I'm actually looking at doing a, um, like not just data-driven fasting, but data-driven exercise and data-driven bodybuilding and data-driven macros and data-driven micros. So that's sort of the, the next phase of the project to keep building that because a lot of people that seems to really resonate for the people who want quantification of the journey and um, just quantification of the one thing that matters at this point in time and then move on to the next thing wow that's great is this something you're hoping will be like your primary source of income or your day job that you'd be working on uh that would be really nice and um hopefully it'll progress to the point that I can do that in, in the foreseeable future. So just it, it's hard to help as many people if you've got only got limited time from 3 a.m. till 7 a.m. when you have to go to work. <laughs> That's absolutely right. Wow. Well, this has been an amazing conversation. We have barely, barely scratched the surface of what you do, what you've done, the books you've written that are incredible, really easy to understand, very approachable, really smart. Um, so we're going to ask, I mean, if we didn't goof this up too much, is there a chance we could have you come back on sometime so we could deep dive uh, into those topics? Uh, that'd be great. I love to talk about stuff, as you can tell. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this has been an amazing conversation, one I've been looking forward to for quite a while. I've followed your work for a very long time. If you could distill down a simple tip for the listener that they could take and apply in their lives, what would that be? Um, yeah, take the focus away from depriving your body and actually give it what it needs. That's great. We love that. Marty Kendall, again, an amazing conversation. Where can people go to find you and connect with you and find your work? 
Yeah, Google um, optimizing nutrition or Facebook optimizing nutrition or data-driven fasting um, and also on Insta and Twitter and Pinterest, although I'm trying to um, get off social media quite as much and uh, actually get work done. So, yeah, but <laughs> the that. stuff out there you can check out. <laughs> that could have also been your one simple tip is get off social media. <laughs> <laughs> t- t- take all social media apps off your phone. <laughs> birds also tweet. Go outside and go listen to birds and go, go, <laughs> go use those tweets. Oh, Marty Kendall, amazing conversation. Thank you so much for your life and your work and everything that you've done. It, it you. is so cool to see that it helped you know you and your wife and helped your family and you're expanding outward and helping others. I, it's, it's work that is incredibly well done. It, it's visually appealing. It's easy to understand. So thank you so much for everything you've done and thank you so much for appearing on our show. It's, it's really been an honor. Real honor. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Likewise. And this has been another episode of Boundless Body Radio.